Welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where you discuss a current relevant topic pertaining to the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fam With Intention. And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We won't let you leave without some headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess baggage. So excuse my little stuffiness. I've had a very busy schedule and it is a human flaw of mine that I'm working on uh, where I overschedule myself. So I came back from Amor and went straight into working at the polling station for early voting. Thank you. So every other day. So I'm like recovering from just stress induced (laughs) crud, cough and cold. Yeah, basically. So (laughs) well, we're going to make it quick today so that Teresa can get some rest. So before we jump into our discussion this week, we want to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to TravMarketMedia.com where you can find other amazing podcasts to grow and build your business. What's up first? First up, oh, we got something from Travel Age West. Kenneth Shapiro has written an article about the increased interest in becoming a travel agent because the number of travel advisors or the new the number of new travel advisors has continued to rise. Yep. So we've talked about this in the past, but these are new updated numbers. So there's a new wave of people entering the travel industry, according to a recent survey by Travel Age West. It's part of their Need to Know research series. Nearly 200 advisor respondents took the survey, and 43% say that they personally know someone who has joined the industry for the first time. This is more than double the number recorded in a similar poll a year ago, which was 21%, which is crazy. And I feel like we've both been seeing it too, the number of new people entering the industry. Yep. We've got two new people on our team and more people interested. And I'm getting, uh, as Travel Biz Boss, quite a few requests for consulting and things for a lot of new advisors. So um, it's shocking how many poor people joined right before the pandemic started and really hung in there, even though that was a nightmare. And then how many people are, are looking to join the industry now? It's, it surprises me, but it's also exciting and inspiring. Yeah. Cause um, I feel like we have this influx of a bunch of new ideas, new perspectives, mm-hmm. which is great for an industry that is constantly changing. So getting to change with the times, I think. I agree. The article says that these recruits are helping make up for the people who have left the industry during the past few years. Well over half of respondents say they know a travel advisor who left the industry. That's certainly true for me. And overall, about a third of agencies are hiring slightly more than last year by 24%. In general, most advisors have a favorable favorable opinion of the profession this year than they did in 2021. 70% would have no problem recommending the career to a young friend or family member compared to 57% last year. That's a huge difference. (laughs) Yeah. Last year we were really being raked over the coals just constantly. And now it's funny how quickly we forget the trauma (laughs) as things are picking up. Um. Despite all the new blood entering the field, the number of advisors under 30 has decreased slightly, according to respondents. This year, 6% say they work with more than five people under the age of 30, while last year it was 8%. So that's not too big of a deal. And also, we're aging every year. So 
Yeah. They could have just had birthdays. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently the top two hurdles to recruiting new advisors, according to respondents, are low compensation and not enough awareness of the profession as an option. And Jen Lee, Vice President of Industry Engagement and Support for TPI, says, it doesn't surprise me that one of the biggest hurdles is the perception that the compensation is too low. As an industry, and this includes each and every travel advisor out there, we must do a better job promoting this as a business, not a transactional relationship with the consumer as a convenience. I would say that through time, I guess through the years, the way that our industry has evolved, it's not just being commission-based, but now I'm seeing more and more advisors charge fees. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that could help with the whole compensation idea because it's not the best paying industry, but it can be a really good paying industry depending on how you structure your business. So I think a lot of that comes in with education and the awareness of it and, you know, letting people know, like, there are different ways you can run your business. You don't just have to do it the way that other travel advisors have done it. If you want to charge a fee, um, like an annual retainer, you know, so many other business models out there. And I think um, a lot of people don't really know all the different options. Yeah. And I think it's, well, it can be a very lucrative profession. Like most things you get in, you get out what you put in, excuse me. (laughs) Right. Um, But at first, you know, you've got to build a business. So that fee model really helps bridge the gap at the beginning. You know, if that's how you want to do it. I know for us, we're brutally honest when people want to join the industry about the fact that it's going to take some time to really see that income. And we prefer to have people joining our team who aren't dependent, like they're not the ones keeping the lights on in their house because it can be really stressful then and and more difficult to put the kind of energy into it and stay positive when you're depending on strictly commission at the beginning of your career. But that's true of a lot of industries, real estate, doing hair, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and then you figure out what kinds of products and experiences you want to sell to really... help you hit whatever number um, you'd want to be making. So that comes with time. So Mm -hmm. like you said, in the beginning, you're really not going to have money like pouring in by the wheelbarrow. Yeah. Steady money. No. Yes. (laughs) Uh, The article ends with saying advisors are split on the question of whether they had adequate training when they joined the industry. 51% say yes. And 49% say no. But only 35% say they have a training or mentoring program for new agents. Last year, 30% said they had such a program. So it is improving. Our next article is from Travel Weekly. And it says, Travel and Leisure is curating trips for travel advisors to sell. This is a super short and sweet article, but I did a little bit of digging as well. So Travel and Leisure is offering commissionable trips to travel advisors with a new booking platform called Travel and Leisure Go for Professionals. It is a brand extension of Travel and Leisure Go, the publication's direct-to-consumer subscription travel club. So this is available to us in the VAX Vacation Access Reservation System for travel advisors. Have you taken a look at this, Teresa? I have not. I actually saw this article a few days ago, and... 
I was curious about it because I know, um, I, I can't remember what time of year or when it was, but travel and leisure was in a little bit of a, I don't say in hot water with travel advisors, but I feel like they had released something and travel advisors were just really upset about it. And yeah. Um, I think they were, tr- we felt that they were trying to cut out the travel advisor, but yep. I can't remember the details of that. But with this, I feel like I'm curious to go into VAX and take a look to see what they have to offer. Yeah, it's interesting. So I dug around a little bit. You can, you know, you can go and search in VAX just like any other supplier for where you want to go. But what you really want to do is go up to the supplier section and click on Travel and Leisure Go and kind of dig around in there. So they already have some curated itineraries. And I feel like even just from a place of inspiration for a travel advisor, especially a newer one, and or looking for maybe even some social media content, they have customized experiences already laid out in Charleston, Playa del Carmen, Los Cabos, Las Vegas, Miami, Maui, San Juan, Washington, D.C., Florence, Italy, and Chicago with more to come. And then if you look in their Mexico itineraries, there's a whole bunch in there. And they have, I was looking at Florence, they have like insider tips for things to do. So like I said, even from a place of just inspiration, this is a great thing to look into. But then also... um. You can set your own commission. They are supposed to have really competitive rates on hotels, resorts, flights, car rentals, and activities. So this might be something you want to take a look at. They also have some articles in there. I just think it's a handy tool. And also, there are some clients who might, I don't know, like it's a brand. It's a brand thing. You know, they might be attracted to having an a, an itinerary that's curated by travel and leisure. But it is an interesting new tool that we have. From what I understand, um, it's like travel and leisure will talk about certain trips in their magazine, and then they will have that particular trip available to book on VAX. Is that yep. it's That's what correct? it seems like. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know Someone all Someone can literally like read... Yeah. Like someone can literally read something from travel and leisure and be like, Hey, I want to book this trip. And then you can go and and find it. Yep. Well, you're in luck because not only can you book that trip, but I can service it for you. (laughs) So go check it out. Just an interesting tool. Like I said, and I really think, especially for a newer advisor to see these curated itineraries can give you a lot of ideas about what should be included and, Good stuff. Last on our list, because my favorite time of year is coming up, Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's from Mm -hmm. Travel Market Report, and it's the 11 Christmas markets to tell your clients about. And some of these were very surprising to me. Um, Same. Of course, course you'll have your um, typical, like, you know, Strasbourg, Dresden, Salzburg, you know, all of those European ones that we know and love. But there's also um, this random one, the very first one, Helsinki, Finland. I would not mm-hmm. have placed those two together. Um, yep. but Helsinki, Finland apparently has a really great one. 
Um, it says the granddaddy of them all is the Helsinki Christmas market held in Senate square. It's the oldest in the city and largest in the country with some 120 stalls selling finished handmade crafts and Christmas decorations along with a lot of other fun things like, like reindeer, reindeer sausage. sausage way yeah. to traumatize your, traumatize your children. <laughs> hey, they have reindeer sausage in Alaska as well, but Alaska is a very strange place. <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, I don't know. I would do a lot to go to a Christmas market in Strasbourg, France, as it is even in the summer. Strasbourg is magical. So that's on my list for sure. But what about Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. Like, what? (laughs) I did not expect this. I never would have told myself I wanted to go to Pennsylvania. But after this, I might want to go. Um, Mm -hmm. The article writes, one would expect a town named after the birthplace of Jesus to have an excellent Christmas market. And Bethlehem's Chris Kindle market doesn't disappoint. It's named one of the top holiday markets in North America by USA Today readers. And the market features an array of handmade crafts from about 60 artisans from all over the U.S. And a selection of Christmas ornaments and decorations from Germany as well. And in between shopping, visitors can snack on strudel, Christmas cookies, and German bratwurst. But unlike European Christmas markets, the Bethlehem market is only open Friday to Sunday for most of its run, and it does cost money to enter. Makes sense. Another one that, well, of course, you've got Salzburg, Prague. There's a place in Latvia and Riga. So that would be super interesting. Um, And then how about Chicago, Illinois? The ones that are domestic are the ones that surprise me because I yes. I knew there might be little pop-ups here and there, but not to this extent. Chicago, yeah. Illinois, modeled after Nuremberg's Chris Kindle's Market, the Chicago Chris Kindle Market mm-hmm. is the largest Christmas market in the U.S. It features local and international vendors, um, Bavarian delicacies, and Christmas-themed desserts. I mean, I'm, I'm totally there. And they also have a commemorative mug that changes every year. So... I mean, I would totally go to Chicago for a Christmas market. Yeah. But then another one that surprised me too was Monte Carlo. Um, I just didn't really think of that as a Christmas destination. And, you know, I think of it more like chic beaches, Saint-Tropez, all of that. But um, so this one's fairly small with only about 25 stalls selling handicrafts, jewelry, clothing, food, and beverages. But what makes it special is its theme, which changes each year and is displayed through a variety of elaborate backdrops and sculptures. Past themes have included Noel Russe, which is Russian Christmas, Christmas in Canada, White Christmas, Father Christmas workshops, and New Orleans. So... The market also features a Ferris wheel, which gives riders fantastic views of the city lit up all around, plus a skating rink and a vintage carousel. I think that's pretty interesting. I think it's interesting, too. Definitely not a Christmas destination I had in mind, but it could be. Last on the list, Madeira, Portugal. My gosh, for clients ready to experience something a little less Bavarian in tradition, the Madeira Christmas Market offers something a little bit different and warmer. The market, <laughs> which is held in the central pedestrian area of Avenida Ariaga in the heart of Funchal, offers up a slightly different array of Christmas products, including local flower arrangements, traditional Portuguese souvenirs, and Madeiran seasonal delicacies. 
like the sugarcane honey, and drinks. Daily entertainment includes Christmas carols and performances by local folklore groups. That sounds fun. I think you should take it upon yourself to just experience every Christmas market and record it. Or, uh, you know, I think mark that the is experience. an excellent idea. I think that's a great <laughs> idea. I love it. Uh, Teresa's new YouTube YouTube channel will be launching um, this Christmas. <laughs> All right, that let's would be jump. <laughs> yes, let's jump into some excess baggage. You ready? All right, it's time for excess baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Pulse, from January to September 2022, Mexico received 15.5 million international travelers by air, which represents an increase of 61% compared to the same period in 2021. Another one from them says that the Navigator of the Seas has become the first ship to run on renewable diesel fuel in the U.S., Travel Weekly reports that Norwegian Cruise Line plans to do away with non-commissionable fares for travel advisors who book sailings at least 120 days in advance. They also report that a German hospitality group has created a new river cruise company after acquiring a former, former Crystal Cruises river ship to launch its fleet. Seaside Collection launched Riverside Luxury Cruises earlier this fall and has repurposed the, more, the former Crystal Mozart into the Riverside Mozart. An article from Travel Age West says that for a limited time, Alma Waterways is giving travel agents the means to earn tour conductor credits on airfare and land packages through December 31st this year. The offering applies to certain dates for Europe and Mekong River voyages in 2023 and 24, and will be available for all new group contracts signed for 10 or more guests with deposits paid by the deadline. Travel Agent Central reports that Sea Dream Yacht Club has announced the installation of a new inflatable Sea Dream branded slide aboard Sea Dream 2, one of the brand's twin mega yachts. Guests aboard Sea Dream 2 can immediately enjoy the new yachting amenity as they sail through such Mediterranean destinations where only yachts and small vessels can reach. According to Travel Market Report, effectively immediately, Seabourn will no longer require guests on standard protocols voyages to test for COVID-19 prior to sailing or provide proof of vaccination. The move doesn't drop the requirements from all Seabourn sailings, but it does for most of the cruise line's itineraries. Another one from them says that travel advisors selling Ponent and Paul Gauguin cruises during the month of November can earn bonus gift cards up to 500 per stateroom on 2023 voyages and beyond on Ponent and up to 250 per stateroom for 2023 voyages on Paul Gauguin cruises. And our high note today is from afar with a headline that reads, is cruising officially back? A new 7,600 passenger ship says it is. When Icon of the Seas opened for reservations, Royal Caribbean had its single largest booking day in its 53-year history. And that's it for Excess Baggage. Just a reminder that all the articles we referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news, we're just sharing it. If you've enjoyed this super mini mini bar express mini bar episode, <laughs> it was a shot. It was like a tequila shot. <laughs> Please subscribe. We review and or share the show. Also head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the tin lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. Have any comments, questions, or just want to say hello? Please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the tin We'll see you all next week. 
Bye.